are doing something a little bit different. It's our Halloween special. We have shared with each other some of the films that we've seen, some of the classic Halloween horror, comedy, whatever movies that we've seen, and we're picking from each other's list what we want to see most. So from the options that Kyle has provided to me, I am going to select The Witch. The Vitch? The Vitch. Well, I have chosen from your list, um, True to Form, a movie from the 1970s. That you uh, haven't seen. Shocking. Uh, but I am, I've chosen Brian De Palma's uh, Carrie. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. You've cursed this family. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White. The girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house her crazy mother. Help the silly woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date for the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. <coughs> Carrie. <coughs> a new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Hello, welcome back to K Have You Seen. My name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And today, you're in for a treat. A trick or treat. <laughs> today is our Halloween special. Ooh. And our studio is haunted. That was a scary ghost you may have yes. just heard. Um, so today, we are doing something that we've done a couple of times before for our super special episodes. We got two movies that we're talking about today, so mm -hmm. we're gonna be going at light speed so we don't have you here for three and a half hours. Um, so we, uh, as you may have heard at the end of our last episode, we did something a little bit different with our selection process where um, we each are still bringing a movie to the table that 
one of us has seen, one of us has not, but we chose from each other's lists. Mm -hmm. So, Kari, what movie did you pick? I chose The Vavitch. The Vavitch. The Witch, the 2015 horror film uh, that just, it got a lot of hype. It was a um, Puritan story, more or less, a Protestant story at the very least, mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of people were talking about back when it got released. So I was very curious to see what it was all about. And a lot of people said it was is a different kind of horror movie. So yeah. I wanted to see that for myself. And I chose uh, the movie Carrie, uh, 1976 Brian De Palma movie, first Stephen King adaptation, um, and very similar. I wanted to see what all the hype was about because I feel like this is one of those iconic horror movies that you know, everyone kind of knows. Everyone knows even the key points and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to see if it was uh, if it lived up to its reputation and what I thought about it since I've been trying to kind of fill in my horror movie blind spot lately. And um, yeah, and I think what we will find is that, Inkari, I believe you will agree with me that these movies have quite a lot in common. Absolutely. I, I watched The Witch first, and as I was watching Carrie and like reminding myself of of Carrie, I was like, oh my god, these are way more similar than I even realized mm -hmm. when we were first talking about it. So, yeah, yeah. coincidence? We'll discuss. We will discuss. Now, before we get right into it, of course, just a little housekeeping at the top. Um, if you're listening to us, you know we love it when you subscribe. We love it if you rate and review and give us feedback. Let us know what you think about us. Talk back to us mm -hmm. on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. We always like to you know, keep you guys uh, uh, aware of what's going on, what's new, and, uh, you know, uh, always want to make sure you know when we got that new episode coming out. So definitely check us out there, K Have You Seen, on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So now, let's get right into it, shall well, we? shall we tell them the news about this episode? Oh, yeah. You know, I was going to save it for the end, but you know what? Let's go ahead and get it right out of the top so you can savor what you're about to hear. We are taking a season break after it's this episode, season two finale, yes, that is uh, that's the bad news for you. Good news for us because we need a break. Yeah, we're, we're tired. so tired, so tired of watching movies. So, ah, Don't so, make us so many movies. But the good news is that when we come back, we have really fun ideas in the works mm -hmm. for our uh, our upcoming season and seasons. So stay tuned for that. We don't want to spoil the surprise, but uh, yeah. Maybe play this episode at half speed so you yeah, can really like really savor say, it. Yeah, yeah, get the Give most out of it. Give us some time to enact our great ideas. Yeah, but we we will be regrouping, and of course, you will you'll be hearing plenty more for us uh, here to come. But for right now, we have a couple of movies we want to talk about today. So, of course, the only fair way to handle this: who's going to go first? Well, we're going to flip a coin as always, and mm -hmm. Kari, call it in the air. Tails. Ooh, it's heads. You but get to choose. I think we should go in chronological order. So let's start with the movie Carrie. Okay. Uh, give us a quick little synopsis from your, your memory. Sure, of course. Okay, so Carrie is the story of Carrie White, who is a very shy, um, I think it would be fair to say, very extremely insecure and for good reason, high school girl um, who is um, seemingly either ignored or picked on by all of her classmates and at the very beginning of the film she is brutally bullied by an entire locker room full of girls um, and that kind of sets the stage for the entire film um, because during that incident she kind of it seemingly in that moment discovers that she has the power to kind of control 
objects with her mind, even though she doesn't really know how to control that power so much. Um, her mother is an extreme radical fundamentalist Christian. Um, as the movie goes on, one of the girls who was part of the bullying at the beginning feels really bad about it and legitimately wants to do something nice uh, for Carrie and so arranges for her boyfriend to take Carrie to the prom. Um, meanwhile, another one of the girls who participated in the bullying hatches this really ridiculously evil plan um, to drench Carrie with a bucket of pig's blood at the... Uh, at the prom. So that's the setup. That is kind of the parts also that I already sort of knew about the movie ahead of time. Um, but it's there's just so much more to it. Yeah. More and I after watching this one, I was like, I it, it was a fast hour and a half. It is hour yes. 40. Like it there's not a ton of plot to it, but it, it is very intricate. And the character yeah. relationships and personalities are so important and kind of what what the trajectory behind the whole movie. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. It's... Yeah, it's and it's definitely not a movie where a lot of things happen, but what mm -hmm. does happen is really interesting, and it's a very complex movie, I feel like, from yeah. like a, a character standpoint and emotional standpoint. Um, really fascinating. I mean, like, just from the the foundation of it with the, um, the story from Stephen King, mm -hmm. it's, you know, all the characters are really well fleshed out, and they're presented really well, in the direction of the film and acted really well by everyone. I mean, Sissy Spacek puts in an amazing performance oh, here. Oh my gosh, she was so perfectly cast. Yes. Like, you couldn't have found a better Carrie. That's just... She's like 26 or 27 when she makes this movie, so she's considerably older than the character that she right. plays. But she embodies that like supreme insecurity of, of adolescence mm -hmm. in a way that like very few performers that I've seen are able to do that, including like actors who are actually of high school age, yeah. often kind of present it with a lot more confidence than I think that most high school students actually possess. It's like high schoolers, I feel like, either have far too much confidence or almost none at all. You know, there's yeah. very little in the middle, you know? <laughs> yeah, very true. And it kind of wavers within one person from mm -hmm, time to time mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I think just she is so, her ability to go from completely alien and strange and just her whole like physicality and how she looks between that and then just looking kind of normal and pretty like mm -hmm. it almost makes it it it's a tragic movie especially in the way that she plays it because you really think she there's some hope for her. It's true, and I, I, I did write that down, that this movie is absolutely more sad than scary. Mm -hmm. It is scary, but it's right. definitely more sad than scary, I think. And because, you know, even even on the, the macro level, if you mm -hmm. kind of, like, pull back, even the scary moments have a lot of sadness to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, we mentioned the, um, the, uh, the fundamentalist, the extreme religious uh, radical mother um, who is just one of... I, we've had some bad mothers on this podcast, I feel like, and she is definitely up there, one of the worst. Oh, yeah. Um, and just the the just the just horrible treatment of, of Carrie, and you can't help but think, like, if this person had not raised Carrie, she could have had a chance. Right, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it. We have so much to discuss. Uh -huh. But real quick, official synopsis per IMDb. Uh, Carrie White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who is sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates at her senior prom. 
So quick one sentence with many commas to be fair. <laughs> yes. Uh, synopsis that leaves out a lot of that middle stuff that we'll mm -hmm. discuss, but that's kind of the general overview. Uh, so, did you? What was your background with this? Did you? You had known of this sure, movie, obviously. Yeah. Had not read the book. Correct. Yeah, I've actually never read a Stephen King book. I've no, read, me neither. I've read half of The Gunslinger, but that's about <laughs> as far as I got, and that's possibly his shortest novel. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, no it's it's bad. Yeah, those once you get to those like fifteen hundred page monsters, ugh, it's 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 tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. Every time I see a Stephen King movie, though, I'm like, oh, I really should, I really should watch this. Yeah, you know, yeah. I should really read this book. Right. And I never do. Right. One day. Same, same. I like the movies that are. I like some of the movies that are based on them. But yeah, uh, I've, they're great. Like uh, The Shining has has long been like one of my favorites, and uh, again, an early adaptation of one of his books. Mm -hmm. um, which I think that the, the Shining and Carrie really are probably the two top best adaptations of Stephen King novels. Like, whether they're the closest adaptations, I don't mm -hmm. know, but I think of the ones that I've seen, they are the best movies based on Stephen King books. Yeah, it does, I feel like both of them are what I think of that I've read enough outside about to know that like there's a lot of context missing, mm -hmm. but they still work. Yeah. It just makes you think like, oh, if I had read the book, like this would just be so many layers deeper because right. I'd understand some of these things. Yeah. But, they still work. Still it's there. true, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, w the description that I gave was pretty much what I knew about the story already. I mean, I, I know that this has been uh, widely regarded as one of the best horror movies of the 70s. Mm -hmm. It kind of predates the slasher era when horror movies were kind of like in a an unusual period where people didn't really quite know mm -hmm. what horror movies were gonna stick with audiences. Yeah. And um, and it kind of hit at a, at a interesting uh, uh, confluence of events where Brian De Palma, who is a contemporary of like George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, Spielberg, um, and uh, Martin Scorsese, he was kind of coming out of that generation of the movie brats, mm -hmm. as they were called, you know. <laughs> um, possibly the least famous of them today, but mm. you know, obviously he's been widely regarded for like Scarface, um, and and Carrie and and mm -hmm. um, yeah so I mean this has been something that I've been aware of for ages just I I never really had an appetite for horror movies until recently I started to become more curious and um, so yeah when I saw this on the list of movies that you had uh, thrown into the options for our Halloween episode I wanted to I was really fascinated by it because it's, it's just one that I feel like I should see you mm -hmm. know what I mean yeah definitely definitely um, did it scare you? I was scared in a few moments, and it wasn't as much the jump scares, I yeah. think. I feel like there was the one, and we're just going to jump straight to the end here, where mm -hmm. Carrie's hand comes out oh, yes. of the, the rubble mm -hmm. in what turns out to be a dream, a nightmare sequence. Mm -hmm. That, I knew it was coming, and it still scared me. Yep. Plus, also, the soundtrack that rips off Psycho, for yep. sure. Every time <laughs> Carrie does something with her mind, it's like, reek, reek, and yep. like really quickly... <laughs> And that it's a little bit it's a little bit unsettling. It's a little unnerving. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, even minus even even with all that stuff being in the movie, I think the mom scared me the most. I think that Margaret White scared me more than any of the stuff that Carrie actually did. Oh yeah, she was. I mean, she was definitely the uh, the antagonist of this movie. Mm -hmm. That and um, Chris and Billy. But like Margaret's really the the devil in this movie. She like, is the, even. Yeah, even stacked up against uh, spiteful teenagers who like just kill pigs for a high school right. prank. She is still the she is still the worst person in this movie. You know, it's it's so crazy yeah. that this you've got this these 
different characters that are so bad all yep. entering the life of this one poor person. Um, but then also you've got like legitimate, like sincere kindness around Carrie as well. There are people who feel bad for her. There are people mm -hmm. who want to help her out and to like, to help her honestly just like realize, like live a normal life and experience life as a normal teenager. Yeah, you know? I mean that's the saddest thing about this whole movie is that really if you look at it, if you take a step back, there are more people who are trying to help her than mm -hmm. are trying to hurt her. Yeah. And yet, it none of it matters. In the it's end. true, and I think that that is one of the things that makes this movie feel so true to life. Is mm -hmm. that even though in real life, for virtually everyone, there are going to be more people that you encounter who legitimately are kind and want to do good for you and to help you realize your full potential. It's often hard to see that in the face of the you know, the handful of people who are going to be mean and cruel to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is something that is especially, that hits teenagers especially hard. Because sure. like I said, it's like there are the people who are extremely confident and the people who have just a, a pitifully low degree of confidence. Mm -hmm. And they often get preyed upon. Um, and so I think that that's something that I, I have to assume has happened since the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. um, and probably always will, unfortunately. But I feel like that is what makes a movie like this that really kind of understands that that um, internal turmoil and conflicted emotions and things like that, um, and the perspectives of of young people. And I think that this movie really does understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's even in it was made in 1976, so the sensibilities are still so similar. Even though the specifics, like. I wonder a lot of the things that you're like, really? That's how people would have reacted mm -hmm. if that was time specific or if that's just, you know, the movie, yeah. the Hollywoodness yeah, of it. Like, yeah. if your friend told you, the one part where her friend's like, what's going on? Where Chris's friend is like, what's going on? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Tell me. And she tells her, and you're like, what did she just say? Like, we killed a pig and we're going to pour his blood all over Carrie at the prom? Like, wouldn't she be like, what? Yeah, What's wrong uh, with gross you? weirdo. Like that what is are you a doing? gross overreaction. The rest of us got over it. Yeah. And then when everyone starts laughing, which I'm not totally sure if you're supposed to believe that actually happened or if that was in her head. You're talking about when it's at the prom yeah. and the blood falls on Carrie and she's on blood. stage and it has that weird kaleidoscope shot. Yeah, which I was like, oh, it's gonna cut to them. I mean, I've seen this before, but it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But I was like, they're not actually laughing. She's yeah. just seeing it in this way. Like one person laughing is enough to make you think right. like everyone's laughing at me. Um, and you've got to imagine most people were like gasping and probably screaming. So all of that could get lumped together and you're like, oh, they're all laughing. But it, yeah. then it, it kind of seems like they brought, all were laughing. Well, I don't like, know. I kind of went back and you? forth. I kind of And Tommy back... just died and you're all laughing? I went back and forth on that. First of all, I don't think he died necessarily. I'm not sure that a tin bucket falling on your head would be enough to kill you, but I, we'll see. Head injuries. They're, they're not good, that's for not sure. Not good. Um, this podcast takes a firm stand against head injuries. We um, are anti-head injury, anti -head especially injury. in children. Definitely. Um, but judging from the reaction, because one of the people that she sees laughing is Miss Collins, the gym teacher, who has yeah. always been super helpful and nice yeah. and really looking out for her. And by the way, awesome character. Just yes. a gym teacher who is 
not afraid to beat the shit out of okay, a high school yeah. student in class. That also seemed very, <laughs> we're like, you're going to get fired. Like, yeah. that you've, well, that you've moment, smacked two students that, now. The, which she, like, the, the moment at the beginning when she slaps the sense into Carrie, that was one where I was like, okay, get very antiquated. Together. But then when she slaps Chris in front of the class of girls who was in, in detention, and Chris was like, Come on, she's like, you know, you can't hit me. something like, yeah, you can't do that. Well, you know, it's, it's you against us. And then uh, uh, the teacher turns around in the class and everybody's like, I didn't see nothing. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, and so I don't think that she was, I don't think she was laughing. So it makes me think that like maybe some of the kids were laughing, but probably most weren't. Because like if I saw somebody get doused in blood, the last thing I'm going to do is laugh. I'd be horrified. Yeah. And Tommy at the very least passed out. Like that would be a traumatizing yes. sequence. Like, there's no way all those kids were laughing. But I don't know. It's it's it's, it's tough. But it is kind of ambiguous. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think that was a smart move because, like, first of all, you know, I think that we can infer that at the very least Miss Collins was not actually laughing. Right. Um, but it's the, by showing it through Carrie's perspective and hearing her mom, her mom's words over and over again, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all yeah. going to laugh at you. I feel... There are there is nothing that makes me squirm more. Like show me all the blood and guts you want. I'm not gonna like it, but nothing makes me squirm in a mm -hmm. movie more than like validated insecurities. Mm -hmm. Like somebody's deepest insecurities becoming validated, especially in a moment like that where it was like she was finally starting to feel like not just normal, but like accepted mm -hmm. and uh, appreciated. And yeah. she looks great. People are complimenting on her outfit. People are like, you know, being very nice to her and sincere. Mm -hmm. And she's experiencing this like everybody else. And then it just comes crashing down so hard. Um, yeah, it's 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 so tangible and so like palpable the way that it is portrayed that yeah. it made me just so uncomfortable. And not because I, and even knowing like what's about to happen, mm -hmm. it just still, that moment, I like my whole body tensed up because I was just like, that is one of the worst things I've ever seen yeah. happen to a character in a movie. Yeah, it's awful. And I mean, it's iconic now, but I did find myself watching it now, you know, knowing how the whole thing mm -hmm. ends. And just as the girls were doing horrible things and, you know, chattering about Carrie and all that, like all the bad stuff yeah. they do leading up to it. I was just like, well, they'll be dead soon. So I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that. that, and that's crazy. Cause you know, and I, and I hesitated to bring this up because I don't want the subject of this podcast to get too, too heavy and certainly mm -hmm. not like political or anything like that. But one thing that I could not help thinking of was like school violence today. Cause right. I feel like this very, um, like uncannily kind of predicted the intermittent, waves of like school violence that we've seen, um, especially in the like, last 20 years or so, yeah. um, in the sense that like this is this could very easily be the story of like a school shooting or something like that. That's, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. This is yet another movie that probably wouldn't be made in 2018. That's not but really a But they remade subject. it in like 2013, didn't they, with yeah. like Chloe Moritz? Yeah, which is not, not that good, although... Julianne Moore, like what do you, yeah. you can't not, you don't, you're not a fan? No, I, I, I was more bummed out that like when actors I like are in movies mm, that I know are obviously are no not going to be any yeah. good. Yeah, but, it's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, yes, they did. But even then, I think even whatever 
the remake, it was like 20, yeah, maybe not even 15, maybe it was, it was 2013. 2013, yeah. I even think the difference between 2018 yeah, and 2013, you wouldn't be making that movie. But. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Um, but yeah, that was just something I thought, and like I said, we don't need to like really delve into it, because I think that the, I think the parallels are very apparent if you mm. watch this movie today. You know, especially if it's something that you may have seen before, but you haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, profile I feel like, of yeah. the like school shooter. Yeah. Exactly. It's... I think that it's 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 yeah. I mean, this this movie's got Columbine written all over it, and that's a real that that's really it's really sad. And I mean, not to not to overly humanize the people that do that kind of thing, but I think that this does paint a very um, empathetic portrait of a person. And in, mm -hmm. in Carrie's defense, in the character of Carrie's defense, she doesn't necessarily have control over mm -hmm. her abilities. She's like an X-Men character that's yeah. just learning how to, you know, feel out these weird mutant abilities. Um, which that's a movie on its own. Carrie is actually an X-Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a totally different direction Interesting. here. Interesting. <laughs> Hollywood yeah. call us. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, now, real quick, there's another thing that I thought about that I was I, I had re recently um, uh, listened to a podcast kind of about uh, I think I mentioned it before the uh, the podcast about the movie Halloween, the original 1978 Halloween, oh. and there was an analyst who was talking about how that movie one of the things about the slasher genre kind of emerging in the late 70s, early 80s that I found fascinating that could even apply to this one is that it spoke to the generation of kids who were just too young to go to Vietnam oh. because the nation was still kind of working out this traumatic experience uh -huh. of, and there were veterans who had seen awful things and committed atrocities in some cases and been witness to like these awful, awful acts for years and years and years. And what this person was positing was that the emergence of like these violent like slasher movies and stuff like that were partly kind of like this morbid fascination that America had with dealing with trauma like that head on. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of saw a little bit of that in this movie as well. The, you know, the idea of, you know, by the end, Sue, the girl who felt bad about the bullying and spent the whole rest of the movie trying to make it up to Carrie right. um, for no personal gain whatsoever, just doing it blindly and just trying to do something nice for this person. Just growing up. She ends up basically having nom flashbacks. Like by the end of the movie, yeah. she has she has been witness to seeing all of her friends killed. And she is having this recurring nightmare of, you know, of of the violence, of the trauma. And I found that really interesting in a morbid sort of way. No, that's fascinating. I think I had never heard that, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Like the, the Vietnam era kind of coinciding with this need for something that's kind of visceral, an outlet mm -hmm. for a lot of kind of existential confusion. Yeah, because I mean, you see, like, you know, America leaves Vietnam in 1975, and then you got movies like Carrie in 76, Halloween and Dawn of the Dead in 78, like these gruesome, violent, R-rated horror films, mm -hmm. and then like this massive wave of slasher movies after Halloween comes out. And um, yeah, I mean, when that was pointed out to me, I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that was a conscious decision, but I feel like that is something that maybe was part of the reason why this movie connected with its audience at the time. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I think it's, I don't even know if I have anything to add. That's <laughs> fascinating. That's a really interesting take. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then just a couple of other things that I, I picked out, like, I, I watched a brief um, interview with Brian De Palma about this movie after I watched the movie, and mm -hmm. he said he actually likes 
the fact that there have been so many remakes because every time a remake comes out that's not as good as the original, he feels better what? about his own work. He's like, yeah, I don't. He's like, I get a kick out of it because like they're never as good as the one that nice I made. Nice try. Oh, you thought it was so yeah. easy. <laughs> what other? What, there was just the Chloe Moretz remake, right? Was there? Well, more there than was one? a sequel um, called oh, The Rage right. Carrie okay. Two, which came out in '99. I think there was a made-for-TV uh, oh, remake boy. as well at one point. Um, so there have been like one one sequel to or, yeah one sequel to remakes I think um, mm. yeah let's see what else did I have in my notes here um, yeah I thought it was really fascinating how the how the mother throws Carrie into the closet with not uh, a traditional like uh, not a traditional crucifix but with a, a Saint Sebastian effigy yeah um, and which is brilliantly and 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 wonderfully kind of recreated by the mother herself at by the end. Yeah, that is pretty pretty iconic. And Carrie it's... finally gets her uh, her revenge on her mother by like basically pinning her to the wall with with not with knives and like yep. mind throwing her... uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, like corkscrews and stuff like that at, uh, at at her mother until she looks like Saint Sebastian with the arrows coming out. Mhm. Mm and the light behind its eyes and stuff. Yeah. So spooky. And somehow like the way that they twist religion so that it's not even pure religion anymore. Like, you know, it's not yeah. Jesus, it's Saint Sebastian. Everything she's quoting from the Bible is not really from the Bible. Like, she says the, like, first sin was intercourse or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's not the original sin. Like, the no. original sin is the the apple. Like, it was... It was the disobedience. It, the that disobedience, was, It's like, not, you're, you're yeah. really getting it super ultra-specific here. Right. And, I mean, I've been to Sunday school. She was saying a lot of things that I have never heard before. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. She was reading from a book that was like The Sin of Woman. And so it was, yeah, so she seems, she reads as this very mm -hmm. devout person, but you're also, it's also very twisted. I'm not really sure where she's getting her information. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, I feel like the, you get a really good, like, character evolution of Carrie with the relationship with her mother through the movie because as the movie goes on, it almost seems like as she's realizing that she has these powers, she becomes a little bit more confident in standing mm -hmm. up to her mother. Right. And every time she stands up to her mother, I'm, it's like exciting yeah. to see it because, you know, I think that every, I think that every school has a cup, a handful of people who are like Carrie Whites that are mm -hmm. kind of very like, very, you know, small, not necessarily physically, but very kind of like. Meek. Diminutive. Yeah, yeah diminutive. and not necessarily even the target of bullying, hopefully, but mm. just people that, that kind of fade into the background. Yeah. and they're they, the outsiders for whatever reason. Yeah. They're just not the people that get included. They're just, they're on a different foot than everyone else. Yeah, and you, and who knows why? I mean, like the, the reasons for it are it could be numerous, but, you know, I, I this takes, it, this, this movie examines that type of personality in a way that it's like, unfortunately, I feel like that is probably the case a lot of times. Like, you got a bad home life. I mean, that ends up overflowing into the rest of your life. Right. What um, else do you know? Yeah. So seeing her actually be able to stand up to her mother at different moments, after we, when we first meet her, she's literally dragged into this closet to mm -hmm. apologize for her own body functions. Right. Is, um, and like beg forgiveness is, you know, the way that she she progresses after that is... It's really strong, and it seems like you know it gives the audience a little bit of hope that maybe she's going to turn out okay until it all just kind of comes crashing down. Yeah, you. That's. I'll keep coming back to it, but this really is almost more than a horror, a tragedy because yes. you you see the possibility for her. She, you're rooting for her, mm -hmm. and then just one incident of timing, one incident of 
just just sets it over the edge. Mm -hmm. You know, it mm -hmm. could have been so so different if not, if not for this one small thing. You know, yeah. like for everything else, for all the people who are trying to help her, she could have made it. You truly yes. believe? Like she's realizing her own power. She is realizing that. Honestly, she's more powerful than her mother is, and she mm -hmm. can start calling yeah. her shots. Things are going to change around here, and it's just completely snuffed out. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, yeah, I, I did want to. I did want to talk about one thing. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts yeah. on the uh, extremely explicit shower scene, which is like the second <laughs> shot of the movie. You got to hook them early, you know. Get them, give them what they paid for with their movie. It's ticket. literally shot two, you know, yeah. of the whole movie. It's and it's oh, an extended sequence of just like women running naked through the high school locker room. Mm -hmm. No reason. I have no explanation for it. I was just okay. as lost as you were. I was curious about your, your take on it because I was trying to think of like, because it goes on for a long time and I was Forever. like, what is this all? I was like, what is this all about? And I thought that maybe it was an attempt to kind of show that like most of the girls are like comfortable in mm. their own skin and comfortable in their bodies. Um, then Carrie is just out there. Carrie, well, mm -hmm. yeah, and then at that moment, she's fine. She's kind of like in her like, the moment she gets to relax, mm -hmm. she gets to have a shower, which if you notice at home, she doesn't have a shower, she has a bathtub. Oh, so yeah. she gets to like just kind of have the, you know, have this moment to herself, mm -hmm. interrupted, of course, um, yep. you know, Blood. happens to every young lady once at, you know, <laughs> at a certain point. I don't um, understand, Kyle, tell me more. Well, what you does see, that mean? <laughs> once you reach a certain age. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, we can definitely talk about this, because I don't, no, either. It, yeah. took, it just read as extremely dated to me, honestly. It, I, I, was... I, I agree. And I, it is definitely gratuitous. Yeah. It is goes on. It is far more explicit than I feel like it needed to be to drive point that that to drive that point home. Yeah. Um I although I it did kind of I, I don't know. I that is the takeaway that I got from it, but then that turns into from comfort in your own skin to extreme vulnerability in in without having to like even switch scene, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to that extent I thought it was effective. Effective. Yes. I don't know if it was necessary. Yeah, I, to to read into this far more than it might deserve, it could be kind of that original sin reference. Ooh. Like you, you know, oh, everyone's yeah. comfortable in their nudity. They're just doing, just doing them. They're being natural. They're out there with their own gender and unashamed of their bodies, and then blood comes and childbirth and all of that is introduced and everything becomes complicated and shameful and difficult after that point. May I give you a compliment? You may, anytime, Kyle. That was a very astute assessment. I like that a lot. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Came to me. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's, if I am going to take the ultimate like high expectations of mm -hmm. what they meant by it, I'll give them that. My view originally was like, Okay. Yep. You gotta. You want an R-rated movie? You gotta give them just, what they came for. And I, I did appreciate that it was just like, all right, let's cram as many boobs into one shot as we can yep. and get the, get it, get it over with. Apparently, so um, the the young actresses who were uh, they're I mean they're young, but mm -hmm. like they weren't high schoolers um, who were in the scene were kind of timid about doing as much nudity as was being requested. But Brian De Palma showed them the footage of um, Sissy. SpaceX? SpaceX? I always SpaceX? thought it was SpaceX. I thought it was Space SpaceX. SpaceX? But SpaceX, whatever. Um, SpaceX. Uh, they, he showed SpaceX. her. SpaceX. <laughs> <laughs> he showed them the shots from her uh -huh. shower scene, and they were all like, okay. 
which there has to be more to that story. Probably but so. That's just a little trivia fact. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's definitely a strong opening. I'll give it that much, whatever that's worth, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was just curious as to like what your perspective on it was because I, I, I saw it and I was like, okay, this has been going on for a little while now, oh, right. and um, but um, yeah, I mean, there is some really amazing like. Shooting in this in this film for sure, like that. I, what De Palma calls the figure eight shot in the gym, mm -hmm. um, where it goes from Carrie and Tommy at the table at the prom. Mm -hmm. Camera pulls back and it shows Chris underneath the uh, stage, yeah. mm -hmm. and then it follows the rope up the stage and to the bucket, and then it uh -huh. zooms in from the rafters back down to the table where Tommy oh, and Carrie yes. are sitting. Mm -hmm. I was really into that shot. I really loved that. I thought it was great. Yeah, I want to see behind the scenes of that. Like, how do you even achieve it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They said, uh, De Palma said they spent pretty much the whole day working on that one shot, which doesn't surprise me because yeah. that's a tough one. And apparently the prom sequence was like a two-week shoot. Like, mm -hmm. they spent some time there. Yeah, so. I, that was one of the things I was surprised by. I didn't realize that the prom was going to be basically the second half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's, long. Yeah, it, that's what I'm, like, when you think of the kind of main beats, I, you don't realize kind of how little happens almost. Like you're in yeah. the prom for a very long time, you're out of the prom not that long, and then the time after the prom it's actually longer than I ever think because you think of the I think of the prom as like kind of the entire movie. Yeah. But well, I thought her bringing down the uh, the gym was basically gonna be the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. That's. But then she has to go confront her mother and stuff. So it is like the timing of the movie is weird and kind of sticks in your head differently, like the way you yeah. remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was great, and I thought that the the, the long take that circles around Tommy mm -hmm. and Carrie was just really mesmerizing and yeah. I thought uh, what I have heard elsewhere was that that scene was supposed to kind of make you sick. Yeah, but it went on a little long for my did. personal taste. And it got but... really fast and spinny. <laughs> but like honestly, I thought it was like a little bit like the scene, the the steady cam shot in Goodfellas, where they're being, where they're going down into mm. the nightclub, mm -hmm. and you get kind of you're you're feeling the same way that Karen Hill is oh. is feeling, kind of overwhelmed by the moment, and that was the effect that it had on me because I thought like I don't think that Tommy is necessarily like falling for Carrie in the scene, but at the right. same time you really get a sense of like he is invested in right. making sure that Carrie feels comfortable and is having a good time. Mm -hmm. and, and is yeah. appreciating her maybe more yes. than he expected to. I think that, yeah, yeah, like there is some, you kind of wonder if like, oh, am I supposed to read this as like, he's falling in love with her? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right, it's not, it's not love, it's just like, he sees her as a person outside yeah. of the weirdness and her mother's influence and all right, that stuff, right. and that's the first time that that's really happening for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, any other any other thoughts on Carrie before we move on to our second pick of this double feature? Yes. Um, only other like kind of trivia that I read that was interesting, and I don't know how much stock to put in it because I can't imagine how this would happen. But apparently, both Piper Laurie, who played Margaret Margaret White, mm -hmm. and um, Nancy Allen, who played Chris Harginson, the Mean Girl, mm -hmm. both had said at some point that they thought their characters were going to be more comedic than they actually turned out. They oh. thought they were so over the top that people were going to read them as funny. And I don't, I, I guess, maybe yeah, more I, came out in editing than they thought. Yeah. But just like, how? How could you? I don't know. You know, and I think that a lot of it does have to do with, um, you know, how it's positioned mm -hmm. in, the, in the film. Because I can kind of see that, like, 
You're like, no one's going to believe this. Like, yeah, they're going to yeah. think this is ridiculous. That's, yeah, I, I think that perhaps maybe the way the editing came together, uh, yeah, like you said, there may be some stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're both just sociopaths and they thought that being super mean was funny. Yeah. Who knows? I don't. I don't know anything about them personally. <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions, but maybe I'm in that's this great what's comedy happening. called Carrie. Yeah. Oh God, they actually are psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else for you? I don't think so. I think we covered just about all the high points on Carrie. I really enjoyed it, and I, I honestly, I will say this: that um, no lie, this is this immediately became like kind of one of my favorite movies that I've seen this year. Like, oh, okay. And not, I mean, obviously not new movies, but just like of right. the movies that I have watched this year, I feel like this is definitely one of my favorites. And it's it's one that I cannot wait to kind of revisit later on and, and look into. Because I, I, I thought it was great. I think that it absolutely deserves all of the uh, attention and accolades that it has received over the years. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. It's, it's a good one. It's a good yeah. one to watch this time of year. And it's, I mean, it is a horror movie, but like, you sp it's not a jump scare, like, stress you out kind of movie. So much right. of the movie is just like a character study on these people. It is. There's, a, there's a fair amount of suspense. Yeah. De Palma is famously um, obsessed with Alfred Hitchcock and I think that you can really mm -hmm. see that in this movie. Like the, his, his, his playing of suspense is excellent. Right. Um, and like you said, the, um, the kind of sampling of the psycho theme. <laughs> yeah. uh, the high school is actually also named Bates High, which yes. is after yep. Norman yep. Bates. So it's, it's a tribute. It's not stealing. Absolutely, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and I did want to quickly mention that even though John Travolta plays a real shithead in this movie, um, he teamed <laughs> a up dumb with shit, as a she real calls dumb it. shit. Don't call me that. <laughs> oh um, God. Um, yeah, he, he he's a, he's a real piece of work in this movie. But he teamed up with De Palma uh, shortly after for a movie called Blowout that I want to make a plug for because that movie is oh. really good. What's that about? Um, it's like a Manchurian Candidate. Uh, type of movie almost like mm -hmm. a, a political thriller about mm -hmm. an audio tech who picks up what he thinks is a gunshot oh. um, and so it's about him investigating because um, he thinks that he may have got audio of a political assassination oh, and John Travolta plays the lead and he is really good in this really really good movie so Excellent. yes highly recommend it's called uh, Blowout definitely a good one I strongly advise you to check it out Nice. Um, but yes, uh, so without further ado, speaking of movies uh, in which adolescent girls are accused by their mothers of being witches and making deals with the devil and yeah. and things of that nature and having extreme fundamentalist families, um, Who knew? let's talk about The Witch. Yes, The Witch, The Witch. Uh, so, synopsis, uh, pretty much covered it. Thomason is a young teenage girl uh, whose family gets basically uh, kicked out of their um, Protestant, I don't know history well enough to... A Puritan, I think is fair. Puritan, okay. Um, a Puritan community that uh, they have to leave because I, I would need to rewatch the beginning to catch what was going on, but I think you're just supposed to believe the father is more zealous than even his community is. So. Yeah, the dad got kicked out for being too religious for the Oof, Puritan plantation. You gotta know, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they uh, pick up their life and go out into the wilderness where they build a house, create their livelihood, and um, after, I'm guessing, yeah, after a couple months, because the baby's not with them when, um, uh, when they move, they uh, start a series of unfortunate events. Mm. The baby gets 
snatched from Thomason while she's watching him and uh, killed by a witch. Uh, and then all of these terrible things start happening. Their crop is dying. Their, um, uh, what, their dog ends up getting killed. Their son goes missing for a night. And all of these terrible things start happening. And they basically start blaming the daughter um, of being a witch. And it goes on from there. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Um, the very short uh, synopsis here that I got from IMDb. A family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. So, um, yeah, it's it all kind of falls down on Thomason's shoulders. And yep. it's um, it's strange. It's I, I came across this movie... Um, I want to say maybe two years ago when it was still mm -hmm. pretty new because mm -hmm. it was officially released in 2015 but it didn't get like wide release until 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I found this interesting. Uh, the I, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, 91% fresh. Mm -hmm. Audience score, 57%. Yes. I feel like yes, this movie indeed. tricked a lot of people into thinking it was something a lot different than it actually is. It did. I will personally attest <laughs> to that. Uh, tell me about your background with this movie, though, and your first time seeing it, and how sure. many times you've seen it since. Uh, this is like the second, maybe third time that I've seen it. Um, I first heard about it um, from a, a you know one of these movie news blogs, and I saw the trailer for it when it was still like in the uh, festival circuit, and I was immediately hooked on the concept because I love as listeners and you will know I love American history mm -hmm. and I was really fascinated by the idea of this being a hyper historically accurate mm -hmm. depiction of colonial life and I love the idea of like the inherent um, the inherent horror of living on the frontier I mean this at this time of no matter where it is and at what time period and at this time it was basically like living in a colony on Mars. Mm -hmm. and But a version of Mars where you know that there are animals and people and who knows what else out beyond where you can see and out right. beyond the protective barrier of your community. Um, and I am fascinated by that idea, especially in this era, the idea that there were so many people colonizing this continent that legitimately believed that the devil was at work. There were witches in the world. There were evil spirits that could, you know, snatch you away and basically curse your soul to eternal damnation and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this setup was had so much potential. And I, I, I feel like I got exactly what I wanted out of this movie. Okay. Um, and we can discuss that more at length and and what your response was as well. But. Um, yeah, I personally was, I, I, I got the, the idea of the tone and the tone absolutely delivered. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, and then when the film actually played out, I really loved the fact that it's not just set up. It could have very easily been set up as like a paranoid thriller mm -hmm. that didn't necessarily have any supernatural elements in it where the different people were kind of like the crucible. You yes, know, where yes. people believe that there are witches, but there aren't necessarily actually witches in it. Mm -hmm. I thought this movie could have been like that, but I thought that by setting up extremely early on that everything they think about witchcraft is true, mm -hmm. by setting it up like that, you feel the fear that they feel. Interesting. I 100% disagree with hey, you. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> I was duped. I was duped by this movie. 
I really thought, especially the way people talked about it, it really sounded like it was going to be a paranoid thriller. I would appreciate all of that metaphor for living on the frontier. Like, I totally got that. And you feel that in this movie. I think it would have delivered so much more if it had not just been super face value about mm -hmm, everything. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of a cop-out. Like, hmm. it, I, it just felt like, what's there to be scared of? I already know what the monster is in the woods. Like... Yeah, there's a witch. And I don't, when, I mean, spoilers, when Thomason like sells her soul to the devil, I'm like, hell yeah, where else are you going to go at this point? <laughs> no, it's like, true. What are, what are her other options? She's out here by herself and her family was crazy and now they're all dead. So I don't, I really expected, I just, people kept talking about this. This is actually a trend I see with, I don't love a lot of horror movies. It's not. I, I will go see them. I like the social aspect of them more. I like mm -hmm. being with people and it being this time of year and watching a scary movie all together and just being scared. So I don't like seek them out in theaters by myself or anything. So I don't have a lot of like horror movie trends in my like mind when I yeah. watch something yeah. like this. But I think I really read a lot of the success of this in, it's, this is one of those ones that's like, it's a meta horror movie. Like you have to, you're reading something external into this movie and that's why you enjoy it. And I think we watched The Conjuring with some friends uh -huh. this time last year. Yep. And I kind of read that one the same way where it's like, it's a it's a fine movie, I liked it, but the people who loved it and the people who really buoyed it and this one to how popular they became um, were the people who were like, oh, like I, they don't make scary movies like this right now or they mm -hmm. don't blah, blah, blah. But in my experience, The Conjuring is like every other scary movie because that's the kind of scary movie I end up watching for sure, whatever reason. Sure, sure. So I it's I feel like the appreciation is coming from something outside of the movie, and the movie didn't didn't deliver on the promise that at least I was expecting. Deliver on the expectation. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. You know, it's it's funny because now that you're saying that this movie does kind of structure itself a little bit like a slasher movie, in the sense that Again, we've been talking about the movie Halloween, mm -hmm. very in the news right now because the new one just came out and mm -hmm. it's 40 years old. Anyway, but like if you watch the original Halloween, it's like you get the guy who is the killer. Like the, every slasher movie has like the killer dude mm -hmm. who is going to go and you know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to kill a bunch of dumb teenagers, mm -hmm. but there's going to be one who gets away and <laughs> probably kills him. Mm -hmm. So this... Uh, uh, the witch kind of takes that idea of you do know, like you said, you know exactly what the monster is. Mm -hmm. You know the monster that you're dealing with. Um, to a certain extent. I feel like early on, you don't really see the supernatural things happening at first. You just know it's like an old, old woman mashing up babies in the yeah, woods. Yeah, mashing up a baby <laughs> in, a, in a thing. Yeah. You don't know whether or not it's effective. You just know she's out there doing things. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what that, what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, and as the film goes on, you do start to pick up more and more clues slash direct cues that this is witchcraft. The devil is at work here, etc. Mm -hmm. The devil, for some reason, is choosing to torment this one family. Mm -hmm. um, and this one girl, specifically. I mean, the yeah. whole family, but like... Ugh, she got it the worst. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, by the way, I have to mention this before I forget. Uh, I'll post it on our Facebook page, but there is an excellent fan edit of the trailer for The Witch that makes uh -huh. it look like a Wes Anderson movie. Oh. And it is A+. Plus. I you love gotta it. You got to love the Wes Anderson films. They're, her fans, they're uh -huh. out there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought that um, the sense of dread throughout the movie, because with a lot of times when you watch movies, and horror movies in particular, 
you know where it's going to end up. You just don't know how it's going to get there. And I think that with other movies as well, it's like, I, I know that it's kind of a cliche to say like, oh, they all end up, this, you know how it's going to end up. It's true, but with movies on the larger scale, I always think that it is definitely a prime example of it's not the destination, it's the journey. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I almost felt like it was playing with that idea because frankly, I had no idea how this movie was going to end. That is the mm -hmm. thing that... I think that you must agree, or I would I would suggest, I would believe that you must agree that no matter what you thought about how it played out, I, you could not possibly have predicted how the movie was going to end until it got to a certain point. Yeah, I think it kind of posits a lot of potential endings to you at certain points. Like there was a moment where I was like, they're going to take her back to the village and they're going to try her as a witch even though this is not her fault and she's going to die that way and that's going to be the horror, which would have been awful also. And then, yeah, there's moments where you're like, maybe she's been the witch the whole time. Maybe the twins have been the witch mm -hmm. the whole time. Maybe any of them are telling the truth. And then, yeah, but, yeah, I did not know where it was going to end up, but that's almost because it, it told you, like, from the beginning where it mm -hmm. was going to end up, and I didn't want to believe it. And then you get there, and you're like, all right, well, it's exactly what you said was going to happen, so mm -hmm. here we are. It's true. It's true. Um, but, I, again, I feel like the sense of dread that it brings to the whole movie, because it's very gray, it seems like we're in a perpetual yeah. twilight period yeah. in this film. it always seems misty. And it's just saturated. So, yeah, and the family just gets like swallowed up by the woods. Mm -hmm. And it is very much like a fairy tale kind of an atmosphere where it's like, you know, Big Bad Wolf and and uh, um, and even even down to kind of the, the era that I feel like this, this story comes to us from is very much like the kind of Grimm's fairy tale, yes. the origins of the Grimm's fairy tale kind of things. And even the subtitle to this movie, did you happen to see? The subtitle mm. to this movie is A New England Folktale, oh. um, which it is not necessarily. Mm -hmm. But that does bring me to one thing that I thought was fascinating about this movie, a little bit of trivia, is that so much, and I mentioned this in the end credits, if you happen to notice, that a lot of the dialogue was taken directly from like court transcripts. Right, yes, um, I did see that. Like witch that trial court transcripts. Mm -hmm. I did love how they talked. I really enjoyed that. It was <laughs> Dost difficult. thou remember that I love you? <laughs> yeah. Very Shakespearean. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was really great. And they went to great pains to kind of recreate recreate kind of what the vernacular would have sounded like at the mm -hmm. time. As you said, very Shakespearean, very much uh, what a person uh, who was active in the church and from England at that time would have, would have sounded like, which I thought was, I, you know, A for effort. I mean, the research... Top notch in this film for sure. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah. Um, okay, so you were not a huge fan. Not a huge fan. It seemed, I don't know, it seemed very pretentious. I didn't help that after I watched it, I was like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe like someone can explain how there's like some subtlety and nuance here. And I went on Reddit and was reading about it, and nope, pretty much everybody just thinks anyone who didn't like this movie is an idiot. And I was like, oh, that's the sure sign of a pretentious movie. Yeah, like, that's I don't I don't care for that type of fan. Boo! Don't yeah, do that. Don't not be a, you guys. Don't don't be like that. Um, yeah, I mean, trust me, I can't fault you for not liking this movie. I'm a little disappointed, but at the same time, I understand. I'm a little disappointed that you're not willing to fight me on it. I really thought you were gonna be one of those idiots, one of those jerks one of those on Reddit. Jerk Redditors. Hey, come on now. Downvoting comments <laughs> from on. 2015. Um, oh. Yeah, brigading people who don't like movies that I like. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I don't run with that crowd. No, thank you. Uh. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I will I will challenge you to this that uh, uh, you you feel like you got duped mm -hmm. um, because now did you find it scary? Did you find this movie scary at all? Um, 
I mean, it's definitely eerie and tense. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was... I tend to, like, if I'm watching a movie at my home and it's scary, I tend to, like, turn down the volume when I expect it to be scary. Mm -hmm. And I know I did that a couple times. I'm trying to think when. It's definitely, it's tense and yes. eerie. The ending did not scare me at all. No, no. Um... Yeah, tense. It made me feel stressed more okay. than scared. I personally, mm -hmm. I like the tense and eerie more than I like the outright terrifying mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, similar to you, I'm not a big fan of gory movies. Yeah. I could definitely do without, I, if I never see a hostile movie, it'll be too soon. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but yeah, tense, I'm into it. Mm -hmm. Eerie, all about it. Mm -hmm. One of the movies we kind of talked about potentially bringing to the table was Sleepy Hollow, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, which is a movie that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I know that you Me said too. that you like it a lot. And I think that it brings that si a similar atmosphere, albeit much more in like that gloss, like slick 90s style. Yeah. Um, but still like the atmosphere is very similar. I feel like this, this uh, the witch is, is kind of going for, uh, it could very much fit into that universe's timeline of, of the Tim Burton version of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Um, just, you know, several generations prior. And so I, I don't know. I it definitely I, what I was looking for was an atmospheric and um, foreboding sort of a sort of a film. I mm -hmm. got that, but definitely. I but I think that definitely I, what I would like to um, kind of get into a little bit more is you know we we mentioned it earlier, like kind of comparing and contrasting this film and the character of Thomason with Carrie, both the film mm -hmm. and the character, because I feel like there are a lot of similarities and very key differences mm -hmm. between the two. And I was wondering if you picked up on that as well. Yeah, I think there's, it is, like, it's a very similar character arc of, like, a girl trying to break with her family in the way that you just have to at some point when mm -hmm. you're becoming an adult. Um, I think, yeah, the, I think you're supposed to read Thomason as a little bit more strong-headed and... Um, more of a participant in her demise than Carrie is. Mm -hmm. Carrie is much more, I mean, I think they're both tragic, but I think Carrie you're is kind of a victim of her situation, mm -hmm. and Thomason sets herself up in certain ways to be for what happens. She doesn't, it's not her doing, but like she, she doesn't help the situation. Right. Um, Granted, I would say that like her family, for all of its you know, very alien to our modern sensibilities, kind of their their ten tendencies that are like that. A fairly functional family, like everyone more or less seems like kind of, like they seem not like an overly loving family necessarily, mm -hmm. but they seem like they all are kind of okay, more or less, in, in their dynamics with each other. It seems like, you know, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the um, uh, William and Caleb's uh, hunting excursion yeah, where, that was you know, sweet. that was, it was sweet. And also kind of that moment where like, I'm not directing this at my own dad. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Dad, if you're listening, I'm not directing this at you, but I feel like everyone reaches a moment in like at some point in their childhood or adolescence where they realize, man, my mom or my dad is not as good at everything as I thought they were. Uh, you know, wait a minute. They're a human. It's yeah. like, Oh, like the whole deal with the gun was just kind of a comedy of errors when they're going out hunting and like the powder oh, just blows up in his face, which is kind of meant to, indicate more that like oh the devil's afoot 
But what it plays as is like Caleb, the kid, in that awkward moment where like you, one of your parents screws up and you don't know how to react. You're like, yeah, now yeah. what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. This has never happened this way before. Yeah. I did appreciate the little red herring of like, the devil's a bunny. No, wait, he's been a goat this whole time. Like, oh. Um, yeah, I did I did think that was sweet. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't read their family dynamic as nearly as functional as hmm. you did. Obviously, it falls apart as... The witch is introduced. Yes, definitely. But I think it 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 falls apart along the the cracks that were already there. Mm -hmm. um, the mom clearly hates Thomason, and I think that's probably a like it, it, she comes up at the end as like she accuses the daughter of trying to seduce her brother and her yeah. dad and all that. Stuff. Like I think the mom clearly feels a lot of um, competition with the daughter, which is. I, I, it's a Dan dynamic you've seen before. Like, Did you get the sense of that before the baby disappeared? Because we don't see a lot before the baby disappears. Right. But I, the way that I read it was more that she became hostile toward Thomason. Like the mother becomes hostile toward Thomason once the baby disappears because Thomason was the last person to see the baby. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. But I think it um, you choose to relate to it that way. That's I, true. I don't think. That's naturally how every mother would treat her daughter that if something sense. like that happened. Um, I and she clearly like loves um, Caleb mm -hmm. and loved Samuel. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. if you read it on Jonas quite as much, but like the way she treats the female children, the way she treats right, the male children, right. are it's very different. And the twins are just kind of. <laughs> Freaky. They actually are the devil. Like, yeah, they, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and I hundred percent believe that the devil spoke to them as the goat, even yeah, though we never no, hear it, because they're they're just playing with the goat like no problem and saying like, oh, Black Phillip told us he's the devil, and everyone's yeah. like, ha ha. All right, kids, go play. Yeah, mind your mother. Why? Yeah, who taught him that song about Black Phillip? They just made it up. Get back! You should stop that! That's what the I devil think. taught him that. I, I think the devil taught him that song because that is. I watched this. I watched it this time with the subtitles on. Yeah. And that is a complicated song it with is. complicated lyrics. And there is no way two five-year-olds made up that song just goofing off. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, and yeah, nobody of thinks it's this is strange. Yeah, guys. Why would they just happen to have a song about this goat? And yet, the girl twin, whose name escapes me, let me find it right now, Mercy. Mercy. She gets freaked out when Thomason says, that's right, I am a witch, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, which, which I was like, good move. If only you lived in a world where people didn't believe that, that would have mm -hmm. been an excellent big sister move to pull. But unfortunately, you got to think about those things when you live in a dumb Puritan society. Yeah. Well, it I, turns out they're not that dumb because they're absolutely right, which is a real. Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, okay, so we'll bring this up when we eventually get to the movie The Thing, but I mm -hmm. thought that the, 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 there is that element of the paranoid thriller in this movie because the family suspects that they're, like, somebody could be a witch, nobody could be a witch, there mm -hmm. could be a witch out in the woods, there could not be a witch out in the woods. Yep. The kid could be a witch. Multiple people could be witches. Who knows? You have no idea. And The poor dad just gets fed up and he's like, fine, I'm gonna treat you all as witches. Yeah, you guys exactly. can't get along, you're all going to the barn. I loved, yeah, I, I did love the dad's, um, 
standard move of like getting frustrated, so I'm just gonna go out and chop wood. Yeah. And then you, oh. it, you finally see the wood pile, and it's like taller than the house. <laughs> uh, ironic end, the mm. dramatic irony. Um, yeah. <laughs> when Thomason's like, oh, you know how to do is chop wood, and you're like, ooh, man, she got him. She got Again, him one of those things where it's like you say something to your parents that you really shouldn't have said, and you're like, ooh, man, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I knew I made yeah. a bad move. <laughs> going to punish me for sure woodshed <laughs> uh yeah i i think that's another thing this just felt like the crucible to me and stories like this frustrate me like you're all being so stupid just ah your superstitions are but i dumb. will and that's where i will fight you because in this movie it, that's what i think is the strength of establishing early on that they are right, and but I think they're that, so wrong. But like, they're not, though. It's like it's like if like, someone, oh, you're the witch. It's got to be you. No, you're wait, wrong about who witches. it is, and I think that that's and I and a small segue into thematics. I feel like that is a strong statement about kind of you. You mentioned one of the things you wanted to talk about was what makes a zeitgeisty horror movie. I think mm -hmm. this makes a zeitgeisty horror movie because we know there are evil threats in the world, but it's who you choose to blame mm. that really brings out their, your character and what you think about, and, and, and it tells it tells other people a lot about, it says a lot about who you are and what you're scared of, depending on who you suspect of being a bad person, mm. based on superficial at best evidence. Like, we know that there is evil in the world, but mm -hmm. who is it? Where is it? We've got a general idea, we have a general idea of where it comes from, but, when you start pointing fingers, when you point fingers, you are revealing a lot about yourself. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But it's a point that the pure, the uh, Crucible already made. I've <laughs> seen that movie. I get it. I get the McCarthyism. Just like, ah, you dummies. Like, why does it? Oh, you got to turn on your so family. So you don't Although, think that, but go, go ahead, sorry. I do think the way the father handled it was very interesting. Like, I enjoyed that nuance because mm -hmm. he, when things are falling apart kind of at the um, climax of the movie, he is like, Thomason, just tell me if you're a witch. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of, you know, the fear and superstition yeah. and finger pointing that the mother is doing and that I think is kind of classic in a story like this, he's like, listen, it's not too late. Like, it's fine if you're the witch. We can deal with this. We are going to have to take you to trial. And just, just to deal with it, like, in a fatherly way mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. like, it's... It's okay. Like you can just tell me, and we will deal with it. I feel like you don't see that yeah. often, and it seemed a little interesting and nuanced. I did. I also read a very interesting Reddit thread that posited that the father had known about it all along. He had made the bargain with the Ooh, witch. Ooh, interesting. And so he knew, but in the way that we see him do over and over again of not standing up for what he's done and yeah. not confessing. Um, that he just kind of let it play out. They they said that like traps, like he traded the gold cup or the silver cup for the traps, and they were like, well, what if he actually traded the baby to the witch mm -hmm. and all this stuff? He's he was hoping to kind of prove himself right in that they could farm and they could do all this stuff, but actually he is he's impotent and he's not able to accomplish any of this, but continues to lie about what he's done. And blame, and let Thomason take the blame. Hmm, that is an interesting perspective. That's uh, I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't really thought of that either. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. Um, I think it's far fetched. I don't think it's what the movie was going for, mm -hmm. but I would have supported that. Reading. No, yeah, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense, and I feel like there is 
I don't know how much evidence there is to that, but I don't think that there's anything that refutes that in the film. Yeah. Um, now, to your point about the uh, about the Crucible, I think that this is a very different movie from the Crucible. I feel like this makes a this is like the other side of the coin of the Crucible because in the Crucible, I feel like the whole idea is that it's just paranoia and yeah. it's kind of baseless paranoia. Like everybody's scared of something that, frankly, is not real, mm-hmm. and we. The audience, because that was a play that was written in like the 50s, Mm -hmm. and so it was written by a modern, in the modern period for a modern audience, and so we are all well aware that witch trials are nonsense. Mm -hmm. Um, However, in this film, by showing us that the witches are real, it totally validates their superstition. And is is it still a superstition if it's it's true, if it's a real thing, if you're afraid of a real thing? Like, if I'm afraid of wolves, it's unlikely that I'm going to be attacked by a wolf, Mm -hmm. but... It's not a superstition. Yeah. They're very real. Just a fear. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think it felt too much like a one to one like opposite mm-hmm. of the crucible. Like, mm-hmm. well, what if it wasn't that? I'm like, okay, well that's Do you think that by classifying it, it like, you know, a, it's a self de- it's a self-described folktale. Mm-hmm. I think that that adds a little bit of something to it cuz I mean, you know, if you you know, if you watched a, a uh, I was going to say a modern adaptation of Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. which there has been a modern adaptation of Hansel and Gretel, and it is not good. But, like, you know, if you read the story of Hansel and Gretel, you're like, ugh, I, I get it. There are witches. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't know. What's the difference? No. What, what is the difference? What is the functional difference here between, like, a story like Hansel and Gretel or, or Snow White or something like that that has, like, an actual witch in it and a story like this? I think, I mean, if you're supposed to read the complicated dynamics of people when they have something so foreign introduced to their situation, it just is, uh, it just felt very like, okay, and and they're right. Like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. They're <laughs> totally right. They're, that witch just covered herself in that baby's blood. That's, that's what's happening. They are right to freak out. Like, it's, and part, uh, and it just, I think part of it was the frustration with how they deal with it. Like, of course, you turn mm-hmm. on each other, and this is very annoying to have to watch you go through because you're wrong. I already know who did it. Um, and I think, I mean, honestly, I think you set it up exactly right at the beginning. Like, I expected this to be much more, that there would be much more to figure out and mm-hmm. much more kind of layers that we were going to go through and that it would be... I, I think there's an interesting story in here, which is the way people were describing it and kind of what you said at the beginning of like the fear the fear of the unknown, the kind of horror of being a pioneer in a situation like this mm-hmm. where you really don't know what you're up against and anything could be out out there. I think that would have been much more interesting if we had kind of sat in that idea instead of being like, yeah, what could be out there? Oh, it's a witch. Like, it's a witch and we're going to know that and the whole time mm-hmm. it's going to be a witch. Um, yeah, I just, I want, I we've talked about this before. I want a little bit more mystery and a little bit mm-hmm. more like nuance, not even nuance necessarily. I can watch like a, a cheesy, campy horror movie, but I, I like, if you're going to set it up as kind of a thriller, mm-hmm. I want things to be revealed. I want to like it all to piece together at the end and I think, it kind of did, but mostly it just kind of told you everything, and you're like, well, now you're just going to watch them tear each other apart because you know something that they don't. Mm-hmm. Were there any scenes in the movie that freaked you out? Um, freaked me out. I mean, ugh, the, um, 
when uh, Caleb goes to the witch's house. Mm -hmm. I mean, the scare at the end, the kind of like drop frame thing they do where like her hand comes out yes. is that like made me jump a little bit. But like the whole the slow approach, it was it was freaky. I mean, the the whole like baby mashing scene was yeah, that was horrifying. Like, yeah, ugh, and you just and especially because it's so early in the movie, so you don't really know what they're going to be like as far as how much they're going to show you, how much right, blood there's yeah. going to be, how far you're going to see into what you know was going to happen. Um, and it actually was like pretty tame. Like you didn't see her. You saw the knife, but you yes. didn't see her like actually stab the baby or anything. The, the mashing was pretty horrifying. Right, but. right. And that was the first indication also that there is an actual witch in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very early in the movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, any scene involving the witch was pretty freaky. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it was a different movie by the time, like, and, and, you know, when everything's falling apart at the end, the the witch comes at night, the dad comes out, the mom's there. Like, all that stuff is, like, unsettling and, and scary. But um, the by the time, like, she's, like, up at... I kind of expected the movie to end like several times over, uh -huh. and I kind of wished it had ended a little bit earlier than oh, it did. Oh, interesting. I, I just feel like you saw too much. Like there was not enough, like wonder. But um, like I think the best scary movies like kind of half happen in your mind. You're kind of like, oh no, what's oh, going yeah. on? And totally none of this agree. happens in your mind. They show you everything that you right. need to know. You know exactly what's up. But I did. I mean, I I kind of uh, the ending just turns into a different movie where it's like, all right. And she's a witch now. Like, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't hate that. Like, it was interesting to see. I enjoyed because you don't see that often, especially mm -hmm. in that like they just completely stripped away all of the horror elements at the end, and we're just like, and this is what's going to happen next. And that was interesting, but different than what I signed sure. up for. Right, right. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah, I was definitely freaked out by, um, as you mentioned, the first scene with the witch where she straight up mashes a baby into putty. Yep. Um, but then also um, when Ca like Caleb's death scene, like that was yeah. very, I thought, like that was definitely a moment where I thought that I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And no yeah. idea what direction things were going to go. And when he coughs up that apple, it's... Ooh. It's it's ter it's terrifying. Yeah, because you really have no idea at that point. Like that is, again, one of those rare instances where you actually see this black magic happening. Yeah, and and then he just like falls down dead after this really wild. Like that performance, like is something that I never thought I would see from a kid that age. Yeah, he was. I mean, the actors in this are incredible. Yes. Lady Aaron, shout out. Right. Yeah. Like a couple of cast uh, as a terrible mom yet yeah. again. But um, and then the um, uh, oh, the Raven thing was like that. Yeah, the Raven thing was crazy. All, uh, Ralph Innocent as William also had a bit part in Game of Thrones, if you recall. He was a uh, one of the uh, he was one of the um, what are they called? One of one of the Greyjoy men who escorted Theon back to, uh, or who was part of Theon's raiding party when he took oh, Winterfell. Oh wow, TBT. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. They oh, spoil all sorry, spoilers a... for season two of Game of Thrones. Yeah. My bad. I know. I don't remember anything past like uh, you know a season ago. So <laughs> um, that is, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because you know that's just. If you can do that accent, might as well just, just write it right into to Game it. Of absolutely, Thrones. absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. With the uh, I, I, we mentioned also the similarities with Carrie, and I will say that it's it's insane that uh, Carrie's mother is even more insanely uh, 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 radically <laughs> religious than this 
family that was kicked out of a Puritan colony in 1630 for being too radical. Too radical. I mean, maybe Willem and uh, and Margaret were the right match. Maybe Catherine <laughs> just wasn't pious enough, and obviously Ralph or whatever Margaret's husband or yeah. baby daddy, not the right match. So maybe yeah, who knows? Maybe just, just separated by uh, separated by a few uh, centuries and years, yeah. lost by time. Um, it's a real shame. Yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Carrie and Thomason would be friends. Although, let's be. I, I, I don't know. I kind of got the impression that Thomason might be kind of a mean girl if she was in a real high school. Maybe, maybe. But you know, you're a product of your environment. That's so. true. That is absolutely true. That could be a. How wild would Carrie have been if it turned out that like Chris was a witch? No. Or something? Ooh, <laughs> interesting. They're all telepathic. They're all telepathic. Every single one of them. Yeah. Um, Putting oh, out the man. fire. <laughs> now, that's a that's a that's a real bummer. Then it just feels like Carrie's gonna get like magic bullied. Oh yeah. Dumb. I don't like that. Sorry, take it back. Um, yeah, so a couple of real quick uh, trivia things. So the director yeah. of this movie, Robert Eggers, writer-director, um, this was his first feature, and he started his career as a like production designer and a set designer for theater and oh. film, which with that knowledge, I think that you know you really get a sense of that watching this movie. Yeah. Um, and whether you liked it or not, you I feel like you have to concede that, and this is the second time I've said that this episode, I don't like that so much. <laughs> you but have to. I feel like... Uh, you may agree that whether you enjoyed it or not, this movie exhibits a ridiculous amount of confidence from a first-time director. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I won't attribute that to any qualitative statement, but it is... As we yes. have established, confidence is not necessarily a positive not attribute. always the best. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bummed that you didn't love it, but I that's okay. You can't take it away from me. Um, yep, you like what you like. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, I think last episode, people have called this the scariest movie where nothing happens, which... That is... Okay, that's a lie. Why would people have told me that? It's that also is kind not of the opposite. True. It's not that's that scary. the opposite. And lots of things happen. And so much happens. Like, you're, there's nothing left to the imagination here. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I was a, a product of... Uh, mismade uh, expectations so not not the movie's fault entirely I just just wanted something a little different well I uh, you know I you can never go in a hundred percent blind and a hundred percent cold on a movie but um, yeah it's it's a shame that your expectations were not what you were actually in for and uh, sometimes it's a good thing but I get the sense that's not really what you got <laughs> not this time but oh, yeah well. uh, what are you gonna see. do so, um, anything else on this, or shall we dive me, into some reviews? Sure, let me check my notes real quick. I mean, did you have any kind of favorite moments or favorite characters or anything like that in the film? Like, what did you what did you like yeah. about this movie? You didn't I did like very enjoy much? the ending sequence. Like, once it was kind of just like, we're just gonna do this. I was like, yeah, okay, this is interesting. I haven't really seen this before. Um, just from when, and oh, the like, it was a good moment when uh, she starts talking to Black Thomas, Black Thomas, Black, Black Philip at the end, and it takes a minute, but he like talks back. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, ooh. Yeah, the gotcha. first time he whispers back, you're kind of like, ooh. Yeah. Like, what's what? this all about? This is as real as we thought it was. And then, yeah, the whole, that whole thing, and then just from there, it was like, it was like, what? What's going to happen? And it kind of, it goes through so many like, transitions where they move to a different scene basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
that I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Like, she's just going to walk in the woods. Oh, okay, she's just going to do this or whatever. And then it, like, really follows through uh, through that the logical conclusion of that situation. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was really interesting. And you don't see that a lot in movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably the best part. I'm so glad all of the like cutaways of Caleb looking at Thomason's boobs was, didn't come to anything. Right. That was really stressful. Um, you gotta feel bad for all of these kids for uh, the same reason, which is that like you know going through adolescence is hard enough, especially like in isolation with nobody but your family right, around. Just your siblings, like that's Yikes. gonna make you weird. I wish they had sent Thomasin off to some other family. They yeah. were like fighting it, and I was like, no, that she probably the, wants this. That would like, be the best thing for this her. This is really ideal. Uh, they didn't take parenting advice from me. Yeah, but. yeah. I do think that like one of the things that this movie does, and it's not they don't make a huge deal about it, but like mm -hmm. one of the things that I appreciate about especially horror movies is the idea of like the really long night like mm -hmm. in this movie they set it up like okay tomorrow we're gonna take her to the back to the village we're gonna meet right. up with so and so but then the shit hits the fan that night and everything yep. goes bananas I enjoy that as a trope like yeah. the idea of like we're gonna do something tomorrow but then you it know. turns into the yeah. longest night of your life it's like in action movies when someone's two weeks away from retirement uh, you know he's not gonna be alive very long yeah, um, yeah you just know like first thing in the morning and you're like that's yeah. gonna be the end of the movie yeah, at best. exactly so I don't know I appreciate that personally but yeah. that may just be my my personal taste but oh, it's pretty good um yeah, so I think I know where I stand on this. Uh, would you recommend this movie? I uh, gotta be a no. I think no? enough people have seen this movie that really, really love it. I, I mean, There's I'll never tell you like that. not to, like, you know, whatever. If it's that interesting to you, go see it. I won't stop you. I, everyone has a right to their tastes. But on my experience... I'll at least tell you, like it's mm -hmm. not it's not what other people say no, it is. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's hey, totally true. <laughs> Don't listen to everyone else. I'll tell you the real. It is very literal. It's yeah. a very yeah. straight up movie. Yeah, um, yeah, not a ton of surprises here. That's for sure. But um, yes, so um, yeah, that pretty much wraps us up on the witch. Now, as far as reviews, would you like to go first, or shall I? Oh, let's bring it back to Carrie. Okay. Okay. While Carrie is absolutely a product of its era, for good and bad, Brian De Palma's bold direction and Sissy Spacek's unnervingly vulnerable performance helped make this film one of the most relatable depictions of adolescence ever put on film. With that relatability comes both the horror and the humanity of the teenage years, and the former is taken to supernatural extremes here. Even if the key moments have been spoiled for you, this is still a must-see for anyone who wants to experience the complexity and relevance that horror movies can achieve. Nice. Very good. Thank you. Cosine. Ahem. Uh, if you've seen one Puritan trying desperately to convince their superstition-addled community that they're not in a pact with Satan, you've seen them all. It's eerie and beautiful cinematography, but with The Witch, there's no mystery or subtlety to it. If you're like me, and that's a necessity for your horror movies, move on. Brutal. Sorry. All right. Hey, Someone's got to tell the truth. Reddit has filled <laughs> us with enough lies about this movie. Uh, yeah, the Reddit movie community is not my They're favorite. They're trash. I'll say it now. No, I follow some good movie subreddits. They're out there. But uh, yeah, True Film, our 
our true film. That's a really good one. I recommend movie suggestions. There's, oh, there's a lot nice. of you would like it because it's a lot of interesting double feature fodder. Like I love that. You do. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, as we mentioned, that is our that is going to bring us to the end of our Halloween double feature special. So, uh, also the end of season two of season K Have two. You Seen, which means that we get to take breaks. And you guys can re-listen, share it with your friends. Yes. Now's the time. Catch up. Get them hooked. Listen, we know some of you have long commutes. It's the perfect time to get caught up on this podcast. It really is. There's nothing better to do with that time. Yeah. You go out of town for the holidays, plane rides, car trips, guys. knock a few out in one sitting. You guys, it is doable. I Don't believe in you. Don't take our word for it. Um, but yeah, so again, of course, thank you so much for listening. These past two seasons have been delightful and stimulating. Indeed. And I, uh, I really appreciate your movie suggestions, Kari. I think that you have really helped me open my eyes to a lot of movies that I probably would have not seen otherwise. Very nice to hear. And you as well, Kyle. I think this has really expanded my horizons this season. And uh, we are both having a great deal of fun with this project that we've undertaken and we can't wait to come back. Like I said, we have some great surprises for you coming up and we cannot wait to share them, but we just have to be patient because for now, we are signing off on season two and uh, we will see you next time. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye. So